Disaster responses vary depending on the kind of disaster involved. With a tornado, the frantic search and rescue phase will be followed by months and years of rebuilding. With a nuclear disaster, the dangers can be much more long-term, but also often hidden and uncertain. A couple of years ago, we reported on a grassroots effort to gather radiation data in Japan following the tsunami there and subsequent meltdown at the Fukushima nuclear power plant. It was a fairly ragged effort at the time, but today it's become the go-to source of information on radiation levels across the country. Here's reporter Catherine Winter. It's a sunny spring morning just outside Tokyo. Joe Moras hooks a radiation detector outside the back window of a little red car. Okay, now I have to figure out where we're going. He's trying to find a route he hasn't driven before so he can take new radiation readings. He decides to drive around a nearby lake and through some farm areas. Head north. Since the nuclear accident at Fukushima Daiichi two years ago, dozens of volunteers have been driving around Japan, testing radiation and posting their readings online. SafeCast volunteers have taken close to 10 million separate readings. Nobody's made more measurements than Joe Moras. But now I've driven the last 18 months close to 50,000 kilometers, so about one and a half times around the world. Moras is an engineer. He's also a hacker. Hacker in the sense of person who alters machines to make them more useful. He's lived in Japan for decades. When the tsunami struck two years ago and triggered a nuclear meltdown, he wanted to do something to help. People were desperate for information about where radiation from the plant was falling. So I got out a few of my devices and put together a monitor and opened a Twitter account and started tweeting my readings. Then Maras discovered that other people had the same idea. He found SafeCast on the Internet. I think you're right. I think we should solder down this encoder and then, uh, and then try it again. Now he tinkers with machines at the SafeCast office in Tokyo with other volunteers. Some are Japanese and some are expats, but the expats tend to be the ones willing to do the interviews. It could just be soldering this thing back could do the trick, right? Peter Franken is from Holland. He's head of technology at a Japanese financial services company by day, but he spends evenings here wielding a soldering iron or Skyping with distant SafeCast volunteers, people at MIT, in Europe, in Los Angeles. When the world last spoke with Franken two years ago, SafeCast's portable radiation detection systems fit in a small suitcase, but they've made them smaller and smaller. So this looks like ordinary kind of thing. You can clip it on your belt, and you can be casual, but inside is a Geiger counter. They've put Geiger counters on cars and trucks and bikes. They're working on a drone that can carry a detector into areas too dangerous for humans. All those devices have gathered a lot of data. Two years ago, SafeCast's map had a lot of blank space. Now it has more detailed information about radiation in Japan than any other public source. Now I'm going to zoom out a little bit. As you can see... The entire Tokyo is, all the roads on the map are basically filled by dots. The dots are radiation readings. The map is color-coded, so you can see where levels are higher. One thing this data reveals is that being near the nuclear plant doesn't necessarily put you in danger. And being far away doesn't necessarily mean you're safe. Radiation didn't spread in a tidy circle. There are hot spots here and there, depending on things like how the wind blew and whether there were hills. So in cities, for like Fukushima City or Koryama City, there are really big differences street by street. And that's why, you know, measurement street by street became more relevant because I'm not safe until I know my street is safe. There are official radiation measurements, the government measures, but it doesn't provide this much detail. And not everybody trusts the government data. 
SafeCast's software and devices are all open source, and anyone can use the data. Franken says it's being used by researchers around the world, and even by the government in some Japanese cities. You know, there's lots of things that can come from it, which we can't imagine today, but as it is available, people suddenly say, I want to tie this data with this data. For example, you can tie specific medical symptoms to location or radiation levels. That kind of research hasn't been possible in the past. You know, if you look at the Cold War, Chernobyl, and all the other accidents, the one thing in common, the amount of data available is very limited, and most of the data was subjectively measured by governments, etc. So now as society, we have a huge chance to put their hands together, and at least let's do a really, really good job at measuring it, so that as things happen over time, maybe we can get a much better understanding of what it actually means for individuals. SafeCast volunteers are still filling in holes in the map, And they're going back to places they already measured to see how things are changing. They've found that in some areas, radiation levels have dropped more than you'd predict, just based on half-life. It's not clear why. Maybe because of erosion or natural deposits of new topsoil. And now SafeCast is launching a new project. It just got a grant to use its crowdsourcing techniques to measure air quality in Los Angeles and Detroit. The idea, once again, is to use regular folks to gather data no one has gathered before so people can find out what they're breathing and share that information with anyone who wants it. For The World, I'm Catherine Winter. Catherine is a reporter for the public radio series Burn from Sound Vision Productions. You can see one of SafeCast's radiation maps and shots of their handmade portable radiation detectors at theworld.org.